You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. But this morning, I wanted to discuss a bit about who we are as a church and a little bit of of where we're going. So as you will know, we are Cold Lake Community Church, where families connect. Once upon a time, we were Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. I think it might actually still say that on the outside of our building. But we are Cold Lake Community Church, where families connect. And I wanted to talk a bit about our church slogan, because I think sometimes we don't talk about it, but it's something that is going to be um, talked about more because I think it's important. Connecting and connection is super, super important. And so what this little diagram here is illustrating is that we are connected to Christ, first and foremost. He is the head of the church, and he's the center of everything that we do. Second, we have the church, which is us, the people of God. There's the church building, but the church is not the four walls of the building. The church are us, it's you and me, the people who com- comprise the church. And, um, and then lastly, we have community. So there's a community around us that we are a part of, that we are connected with, that God has called us to serve, to love, and to preach the gospel to. And so all three things here, God, church, and community, are a huge part of what we do at Coley Community Church. And we are a family-based church in the sense that we have many different generations within our church. But we're not exclusive to families. If someone walks in off, off the street and they're not married and they don't have kids, the second you walk in here, you become like family. That's my vision, that when people come in, they feel at home. They feel at home. Because whether they're seeking or whether they're already part of the family of God, they're family when they break through the threshold of these doors. But we are definitely a family-oriented church in the sense that we invest highly in youth ministry. We invest in a vibrant children's ministry. But we always have to remember that Christ is at the head. And second, the church. So this morning, what I really wanted to talk about and, and hone in on is the second C. So it was funny when I was talking to my wife about this, she's like, there's a lot of Cs. I'm like, CLCCC, there's three churches, Christ, church, community. And I said to her, well, once I was blind, but now I see. And yeah, she just groaned. She stopped laughing at my jokes now. She acknowledges them, usually with an eyebrow raise. But, um, but we connect. But it's about God. We gather together as the church in community but for, for a purpose, for a reason, for a mission, that God gave us a mission in the Great Commission to go to all the world, to make disciples, to preach the gospel everywhere to everyone. And we have been placed here. If this is your home church. You've been placed into Cold Lake, and this is our missions field. We don't have to get on a plane and go to Russia or go to Latin America to go on a missions trip. We are in a missions field right where God has planted you here in Cold Lake. And so our goal 
as a church is to become a missional church, a church that isn't just focused on itself, focused on feeding ourselves, but we feed ourselves and feed on the Holy Spirit so that we can go out on mission and fulfill God's calling on our lives to transform this community for the kingdom of God. All of us will be at different places in this journey. Some of you, this could be your first week, and uh, maybe you don't really know who God is, you're just seeking, and you don't really know anybody in the church. Welcome. Some of you maybe have a strong connection with God. You've been coming here for a while. This is your home church, but you don't feel like you've really connected well with people. You don't have your people in the church yet. You don't feel like you're fully engaged in walking in deep relationships, meaningful relationships with people. Some of us are in the church and we have awesome, meaningful relationships with people, but our relationship with God is struggling. We come and we come to this place because we want to be around our friends, be around people. But if we're really honest with ourselves, God kind of takes second place to the social element of church. And there are some whose relationship with Jesus is vibrant and strong and growing, who feel like they're plugged in and engaged and living in dynamic relationship here at the church, but who are also missionally minded. They know that it's not about us, that we are here. Cold Lake Community Church is planted here in Cold Lake to reach the outer community. It's not about just serving ourselves. We, we teach and we preach and we prepare so that we can go out and do what God's called us to do, which is preach the gospel, to bring God's love to everyone we meet. And it's not complicated. It's not complicated. This morning we were singing, God, I will not be satisfied with anything ordinary. Do you want to know what that means to me? To me, what that means when I sing that, what I mean when I sing that is this, that in the everyday, ordinary parts of my life, I'm not going to be satisfied to leave Jesus out of it. That the everyday, ordinary parts of my life, when I'm fueling gas, when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm doing errands, when I go out to eat at a restaurant, that I'm not satisfied to just leave Jesus at home, but I'm going to bring him everywhere I go. I'm not satisfied to let the ordinary moments not become extraordinary because God is there. I have notes. I don't even know why sometimes. The truth is that we have a message to share. We have a message to share. And the message is that Jesus saves. And then when Jesus comes into your life, he changes everything. He touches every part of our life. And this morning, we're going to focus on one of the three C's of Christ, church, and community. Specifically, I want to talk about us as the church. John 13, 34 to 35 says this, a new command I give you, love one another. 
As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Something that's interesting about this little passage here is a repetition. When you are reading the word of God and you see repetition, it's telling you something. It means it's important. Love one another as I've loved you. Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If it said once, it's important. If it says it twice, in close sequence like that, it means it's very important. It's an exclamation mark in our language. But here it is said three times. Three times. In Greek, that's like exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, emoji, 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 exclamation mark. I don't know what emojis you throw in there. I always seem to use the wrong ones. I don't even really understand emojis. I'm like, what is this? Like, I'm flipping through and there's like a thousand emojis. There's like a thousand smiley faces now. What happened to just the generic, you know, you know, Tom Hanks rubbing his dirty face on a t-shirt, smiley face, Forrest Gump moment, smiley face. You know what I'm talking about? Now there's like a million. But there's repetition here because it's important. Jesus is saying here, it's important that you love one another because how you treat one another and how you live in community will determine how people recognize you. They'll recognize you by your fruit. They'll recognize you when you love one another. So what does that look like? I want to give an example. I think that love is very dynamic, but I think sometimes where our, our culture fails to understand love is that we forget that it's a choice. Sometimes love comes into our life in an unexpected way where it's just like undeniable. You know, like for example, when I had my first daughter, her name's Sophia, my first daughter. I only have one daughter, by the way. And her name's Sophia. When I had my first child, the second that I held her, I loved her. She was mine. She was my beloved. You know, but sometimes, you know, and then when I was holding her, it was easy. She just sat there and looked up at me with her huge eyes, and she just rested in my arms. It was beautiful. Now she's two and a half, and I still love her. But there are moments when love is more of a choice. <laughs> Those days when she is being rebellious, where she is like, ah, like I love her, but sometimes I have to actively be intentional about loving her in that moment through the frustration of her disobedience and her working long suffering and patience into my life. Honestly, I think there's no greater tool that God uses to develop a person than children. I know, trust me, I, I, I know she's only two and a half and I have perspective. I, I work with your teens on Friday night so I have a little bit of perspective and I have for like 10 years. I have some perspective, but it's different when it's your kid. You know, it's like the difference between babysitting 
someone else's kid and then taking them back and it being your kid, you know? I get to see kids on Friday night for two hours, Sunday night for an hour and a half. You guys got them full time. But we're here to support you in that. But love, that was my point. We are to love each other as Christ has loved us. And he's modeled it for us. And you see, the love that Christ talks about is a love that costs you something. There's an element of self-sacrifice in true love. And there's an exchange that takes place in which there's a heart-to-heart, there's a spirit-to-spirit connection when you truly love someone. And Jesus puts it this way in John 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, our society and our culture misunderstands the biblical understanding, I think, of love. Love is a choice. Our society understands love as a fleeting feeling, as an emotion, more of an infatuation. And usually that infatuation leads to lust. You know, if you watch most love scenes in movies, which I never do, watch, you know, a chick flick and you see the love scene, usually it's infatuation and lust is is the foundation of the love story if you really analyze it. But love in our culture is really perverted as defined in an unusual way and it's definitely not getting better. When I think about love, especially in a a marriage relationship, I'm reminded of somebody that I met a few years ago. She was a young girl who was of Indian descent, and she grew up in Canada, but her family was still very, very connected to India. And when she was 18, she graduated high school, and her family planned this big trip for a full month to go back to India. So she was really excited. She was going to see her cousin, see her family. They get on the plane. They get there. The second they're off the plane, they're in a dress-fitting room. And she realized, oh my goodness, this isn't a family vacation, I'm going to my wedding. And at first, she thought, what should I do here? Should I run away? And she thought, you know what, no, I love my family too much to do that. If I had a little foresight, I would have seen this coming. Because I know how traditional my family is, and if I thought about this vacation, if I just gave it two seconds thought, I should have seen this coming. But anyhow, so she went along with it, and she, she went and met her new husband-to-be. And I guess he was very cute. And they had a little conversation. The parents were there, and they had this little conversation. And she quite enjoyed him. And for the first time, she thought, maybe I could marry this guy. And so she ended up going through with it. She ended up marrying this guy. And they came back to Canada. And they were both kind of professional people, and they both had it, you know, where she had a career path that she was wanting to pursue, and he was, and and he was good with that. He let her go to school and pursue that. But they came back to Canada, and they began to work on their relationship. But she married a complete stranger. But what was interesting was she said to me that they grew in love, that after their first encounter with each other, They realized that they kind of liked each other, and this wouldn't maybe be such a horrible thing, but they said, you know what? The the man said to her, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to commit the rest of my life to get to know who you are, to learn to love you, how you deserve to be loved. And that was the answer that sealed it for her. And two complete strangers walked in this relationship 
as total strangers, but they grew in love. But it was a choice. They'd chosen to commit to each other, to love one another through and through. We don't see that type of commitment in our society very often. Usually it's, I will love you until you stop meeting my list of demands. And when you do, I'm done with you. It's very sad that our generation views marriage as a piece of paper. I was talking to a young person recently and they were just saying, you know what, I don't think we need to get married because it's just a piece of paper or it doesn't mean anything. I'm like, no, it does mean something. It's a formal commitment to love and serve each other onto death. And when you do it in a church, it's under God. You see, the fleeting type of love that we see in our society right now will, cannot sustain itself. It's empty. It's self-serving. It's not true love. True love is loving somebody even when you don't feel like it. It's doing what's best for someone else even when it's hard and inconveniences you. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but in humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. The second thing I want to touch on today is honor. Honoring others as more important than yourself. That when you love somebody, you honor them. And you honor them because you view them as someone deserving of honor. By this, everyone will know that you were my disciples. How we live and love one another will demonstrate to others who we follow. If someone were to take a look at our life from the outside and see the way that we treat each other and interact with each other as a church, would they think, yeah, those people are Christ followers. They're followers of the way. Or would they see people that are more concerned about their personal preferences, about how we do church? Just a thought. Romans 12, 9 to 13 says, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Don't be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. There's that word again. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The first line there, don't just pretend to love others, but really love them, really strikes me. People know when someone's being insincere. Have you experienced that where you know somebody is talking to you or engaging with you more out of obligation like they have to than they actually want to? That you're talking to them and they just keep looking away you know, this morning I was just saying to a, to a couple that I try not to keep my cell phone in my pocket because when it goes off, it's irresistible. I just have to pull it out and look at it. And I find it so rude sometimes when I'm talking to people and take out their phone and it's like they have no idea what you're saying and like they're, they're gone. And so I try not to do that to you guys. 
But, um, you know, I think when it comes to this stuff for us here at church, here in our context, what does it mean to love each other, really love each other, and not just pretend? Well, I believe first it begins with asking God for real love for people, asking God for his heart, asking God to see people as he sees them. But number one, in a practical way, I want to say take interest in other people's lives. Engage with them, ask questions, and care enough to ask people's questions. Ask questions of people, rather. You know, four years ago, I was in Calgary, and I was uh, working out in the oil field. It was five years ago, maybe. And uh, I was taking a course. It was an industrial radiography course through state. My dad lives in Brayside. It's about, I don't know, halfway between downtown and the south end of Calgary. And I had to take public transit every day. So I'd walk down to the end of the street and get on the bus, take the train to state. And what I noticed the first day is I walked down to the train, to the little bus terminal, waiting for the bus, bus to come. There's about four or five people standing there, and they all had headphones in their ears. We're all looking at their devices. One person kind of gave me a little, little eyebrow up and looked back at their phone. And so I was just kind of tired and groggy. I didn't even really think much about it. I was just kind of there, and I was borderline falling asleep, got on the bus, slept most of the way to the train, got on the train, slept to sate, got up, went to school. But the following morning, I'd had a better rest. I got down to the train, and the same people were there, the exact same five people. And they're all just sitting there looking like zombies on their devices with their headphones in their ears. And I sat there, and I just thought, oh, okay. Got on the bus and went to Sate. The third day, I got down there, and the same five people at the exact same time were waiting for the same bus with their headphones in their ears, their hands down at their devices, looking like zombies, looking groggy, like they'd just woken up, desperately in need of a java latte. <clears throat> and I couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't handle it. I'm like, I see, I'm seeing these people every single day. I'm here for like a full month. If I see these people every single day and I don't even at least engage with them, I'm like, I'm somebody who's outgoing and needs that interaction from people to sustain me. Some people are more introverted, and if they don't talk to a single person all day, they're fine. That's not me. <coughs> and so I turned to one of the guys who was on his phone, who was around the same age as me, and I said, hey, how's it going? And he took his head earphone out, and he looked at me, and he was like, what? What, did you say something to me? I said, yeah, how's it going? My name is Mark. What's, what's your name? And he's like, oh, oh. And he told me his name, and, and so we started engaging. He took his other headphone out, and we started chatting. And... <coughs> I just talked about that. I said, it's interesting. Like, I've been here five days. We see the same people, and we never chat. Like, what's up with that? He's like, I don't know. I think we're just tired and whatever. And so, anyhow, the next day, it was day four. And I walked up, and I saw him, and he took his headphone out right away. And he said, hey, Mark, how's it going? And he shook my hand. And at one and one, as people started walking to the bus stop, as soon as they walked up, we were like, hey, how's it going? And we started chatting with them. And on the fifth day, people came with this excitement. They were like scurrying. There was no longer this zombie apocalypse happening. It wasn't the walking dead. But people started walking up with a bounce in their step, being like, hey, Mark, and they're calling us by name, and we're getting to know their names, and we're chatting. And we're just chatting. We're getting to know each other. Things are going really well. We get on the bus, and we chat all the way on the bus to the train. We all, rather than what we were doing before when we get on the train, is we'd all scurry to different ends of the train so we wouldn't be anywhere near each other. This time... We all got on the train and we all sat facing each other in the chairs that look towards each other and we chatted all the way until each person, individual person got off. 
And every morning after that, be engaged like this for a full month. In fact, one of the guys was going to say it as well. He was a young guy who was in his third year uh, apprenticeship, whatever, training for uh, mechanics. And I was telling him about this problem with my car, about how like it was kind of like pulling to one direction. So he's like, oh, well, when we get home, when we get off the bus, we'll just we'll go take, take your car for a ride. And we went, and I was chatting with him, and we went, and <coughs> at the end of the day, we met up at SAIT, and we came back together, and he went for driving my car, and he kind of diagnosed some problems and lifted my hood and clunked around a little bit and diagnosed a few other things and helped me with my vehicle. And I realized that when we check out and don't engage with those around us, they're missing out, but we're missing out also. We're missing out on meaningful relationships with people. And as people of God, people who have a message to share, a message to tell, we can't afford to check out and not engage with people. We have a message that's too important. And if we love someone, if we truly love them, how can we stand next to them every day with our headphone in our ear, looking down at our phone, disengaged? That's not love. That's complacency. That's boredom. That's a lack of care. Thank you. That's a lack of love. You see, when it, it comes to engaging with people and meeting a stranger, I know it's harder for some people than others. Nathan, if I could bug you for a sec. You know, for me, it comes really naturally. I'm a very outgoing person. I don't have an issue going up to any stranger, any place, any time, and trying to engage. My wife is not like this, however. And so this is where I help her grow a little bit. But I just wanted to first share a little practical thing about what we can do when we meet people out in the community, when we meet people here in the foyer and we're chatting with our friends or we're on the foyer and we see someone we don't know. A couple tips to help us. For some of you that don't naturally just know what to do and have those awkward conversations and situations, this is just to help you, okay? So first, we're going to start with this is what not to do. There we go. This is what not to do. So especially for you men out there, this is something that we often will sometimes do. So, oh, there's a person there. Hey, how's it? Good. It's a nice day out there, isn't it? A little cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see you after service. See you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's ever had a conversation like that? Like, I know I have. It's horrible. We can do better. We can do better. Okay, okay. Let me give you an example of maybe what we can do. Okay, here we go. Hey, how's it going? My name is Mark. What's your name? Hey, Nathan. How's it going? How long have you been attending Coley Community Church? Six months. Wow, that's a pretty good chunk of time. First time I've talked to you. Well, we'll have to correct that. Tell you what, you look like an interesting guy. We should go for coffee after service. Let's do it. Let's do it. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to tell you the secret to communication. Asking questions. People love to talk about themselves. 
And when you go and you meet with somebody for the first time, you should always have an arsenal of at least three or four questions in your back pocket that you pull out to engage with someone. And I'll tell you for our church context, the killer question, one that I kind of blipped it this morning, but the killer question is this, how long have you been attending Cold Lake Community Church? Because you can go up to someone and say, hey, are you new? And he could say, actually, no, I've been here six months and you've talked to me the last three Sundays. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. But if you say, how long have you been attending Holy Community Church? You could say six months. You could say, I've been here two weeks, one week. This is my first time. There's no offense in that question. And you can engage the person about how to engage with them further. Write that one down. Are you new here? Is this your first week? Uh-uh. How long have you been attending Holy Community Church? Trust me, it took me like eight years to figure that one out. And I'm giving it to you for free. Okay? Great. Well, thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Give him a hand. Right. So we need to engage with one another. We need to engage with people, even sometimes when it's uncomfortable. We really do. Actually, I learned a a kind of a funny story about my mom when I was down in Calgary this last trip. So my mom went to this open house, and she went into the house, and she walked in, and the lady was sitting. There's a lady in there drinking a coffee, reading a book, sitting on, on the love seat. And my mom walks in and says, oh, hi, you have a beautiful house. And the lady says, thank you. And my mom then goes, and she picks up a couple items and says, I really like the way you've decorated your living room. It's really nice. And she said, yeah, we actually just reworked our, our, all our furniture and bought new furniture and everything. And my mom kind of sauntered into the kitchen and started opening up the cupboards and was like, these are really nice cupboards. And the lady said, thank you. We actually just remodeled our kitchen just a few months ago. Mom said, yeah, these are beautiful cupboards. I really like them. And then my mom left the kitchen and started walking upstairs. And the woman got up off the couch and walked to the bottom of the stairs and said, excuse me, before you go upstairs, who are you? And my mom said, oh, I'm, I'm here for, I'm just going up to run, look up at the bedrooms. I'm here for the open house. And the lady said, the open house is next door. Do you imagine? I'm like, why did it take so long for that question to come up? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Key to self, when the neighbors are moving and have, you know, for sale sign out front, make sure you lock your door. <laughs> but the point I wanted to make with this story is effective communication and engaging with people It's a skill that can be learned. It's something that can be taught. It's something that can be practiced. It's not something that you're born with or you just just don't have it. It's something that you develop. And so if you're somebody that finds those awkward conversations of, of engaging with a stranger hard, practice. Come up with your own few questions that you have in your back pocket. And when you're out in the community, when you're out doing something, when you meet, when you see a stranger, someone that looks like a stranger to you in the foyer, take a risk. Engage with them. Be the first point of contact. Because think about it. If this is your home church and you find it hard to interact with a stranger, how much harder is it going to be for someone coming in that knows nobody? So much harder. That if this is your home church, if this is where you're invested, if this is where you spend your time, if this is where you tithe, if this is where you're, you're connected, 
then it's our responsibility to connect when people come in. It would be like having a block party, an open house to, to meet your neighbors, and you send out flyers to all your neighbors saying, come out, we're going to have a barbecue, come on over on Saturday. And some new neighbors come to town, they come in, they come into your house, and you're busy talking to your friend. You glance at them, but you don't say anything to them. They just kind of walk around your house and look for the bathroom and leave without you engaging with them. Every single Sunday, we are a place of invitation. We're like a public building, and people come. People check us out. And it's our job to connect and engage with them. And if this is your home, it's your job to connect with them. Say, hey, how's it going? Do you know where the bathroom is? Make them feel comfortable. Show them there's a coffee bar. Tell them that it's okay to bring a coffee into the church service. That's a, for some people, that's a huge step. If you come from a church where that is borderline heresy, that is something you would never do, you might as well come up to the altar butt naked and take a coffee into the sanctuary. God forbid it got spilled on the carpet and somebody had to steam clean. But a lot of people don't know that. Or if you're a new mother, for example, I met a new mother that had been here for maybe three or four weeks, and she had no idea that we had a mother's room. Guys, we got to do better than this. It's not a condemnation, because I'm here too. I'm here too. i got to do better than this. So, I'm running out of time here. So I'll close with this. Be an active listener. Always have a few questions in your back pocket to ask someone. Engage with people. Show them that you care by asking them questions, asking about their life and genuinely caring. So genuine interest and they'll think you are great. Because it's so rare these days that people actually care. Most interactions are, how you doing? Good, good. And that's all they really want to hear. Because if you say anything but good, you're slowing them down. They got somewhere to be. They don't really want to hear anything other than good. They just, they're doing it for pleasantry. Let's not just be people that do things just because to be pleasant. Let's be people who genuinely love and care for people. Offer to connect with them at some other time if you're not able to connect right then. If you're connecting with someone, you see that they, you'd like to connect with them or they, they need connection, set a date. Take out your phone. Make a plan. Make a coffee date. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them over for lunch on Sunday after church. And if you're unable to do that, connect them with somebody that has similar interests. So ask them. Find out something about them. And connect them to somebody else in the body that has similar interests at a minimum. Active listening is about receiving from the other person. It's not about biting your tongue and listening to the person halfly, just waiting for them to stop talking so you can say your piece. This is a lesson I'm learning. Sometimes, I don't know why, but when I talk with my wife and we have discussions, sometimes I get a little bit bombastic. It's like almost like a debate, and I don't know why, but she doesn't debate well. It shuts her down. And it drives her crazy when she knows, when she's telling me something, and she can tell that I'm just waiting for her to finish so I can say what I want to say and I'm not actually listening to her. And I do it all the time. I'm sure some of you do as well. Let's be active listeners. 
Let's take the time to listen. Let's show them that they care and love them enough to listen to their heart without feeling the need to chip in and tell them what you think. Proverbs puts it this way. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. The message puts it this way. I like it even better. Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. And it is. It absolutely is. To conclude this morning, Hebrews 10, 25 to 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If you're in the church and you feel like you don't have any friends, you haven't made meaningful connections, be a friend to someone else. Because if you're feeling that way, I guarantee you there's 10 other people feeling the exact same way. And so you have two options. You can come to church on Sunday and you can wait for someone to engage with you. Or you can take a little initiative and be the first to speak and engage with someone else. Bring a little intentionality to what you do when it comes to your involvement with church and with meeting people anywhere and everywhere. People are dying for a meaningful connection with people, a real connection. We're more connected than ever but all this technology, unfortunately, is making our generation one of the most relationally, relationally, I don't even know what the, what's the word I'm looking for. Void, desensitized, illiterate. A lot of people are relationally illiterate. But let's show them a new way of connecting. Second, if you're looking for a friend, be a friend. If you're feeling lonely and you need to connect with someone, reach out and find another lonely person and connect with them. If you're feeling that way, I guarantee you that there are others feeling the same way. Here at Cold Lake Community Church, we're a place where families connect, and now we are where families connect. And it's not about connecting in the church building. It's about wherever we go, connecting with each other, connecting with others, being missional-minded people. Yeah. And it's about continually abiding with Christ. He's always the head. He's always the first thing, the central thing. And, and church, I want to make a commitment to you. I'm here for the for long haul, if you'll have me. We'll see you in a couple of years. But I really want to encourage you to come out to the AGM. And I want to make this commitment. I'm going to repeat it at the AGM. I will not ever demand something of you that I am not modeling in my own life. And I'm giving you permission that if you see me preach things that I'm not modeling, that you don't see that fruit in my life, you have permission to come talk to me about it. Sound good? I'm committed to this church. I'm committed to, to see this church grow, to establish vision and mission. But I want to see people develop and grow. 
I want to see our church become a place where we're developing spirit-filled leaders who then go out with mission and bring God's love to people everywhere. And so, but we got to do it in a real way. I can't give you something that I don't myself have, that God hasn't given me, that I don't acquire. I can't give you something I don't have. But I want to give you everything I do have and commit to continual learning and trusting in him for more and learning from you guys as well. Sound good? Awesome. Well, Father God, I thank you, Lord, this morning, God, for who you are. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have placed us in Cold Lake to connect and reach with the outlying area. And God, the thing about the connecting point is that that's where the power is. We need to connect to you, God, because you are the power source. And Lord, we need to connect with one another. And Lord, we need to connect with our outside community to be a light in a dark place. God, we need to connect in meaningful, deep relationships. And God, not just to check people off a list, the yes, I got somebody saved, but because you love them and you care for them and, you, and we want lives to be transformed by your presence for people to know who you are. And so God, I just pray, Lord, that our hearts would be aligned with yours. Lord, that you'd continue to instill vision and direction into this body. And Lord, that we would move into a direction, God, that no longer allows for passive spectators but God that demands active participation and engagement. God, I thank you that you're going to move in Cold Lake in a way that you've never done before. And God, I pray for the revelation that the people in this room that have been praying for the next move of God would look at themselves and realize that they are it. God, that you're going to move through us that we don't need to look outside of ourselves. We need to look to you, for Christ in you, the hope of glory. God, I thank you for what you're building, what you're establishing. Bless us this week as we go, in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.